Hello, I'm Darren Steele, the host and creator of Think Queerly, which is both a podcast and a magazine on Medium. In both cases, Think Queerly is grounded in self-examination and leadership. As LGBTQ plus people, we harness our self-awareness to demonstrate our necessary role in society. We promote thoughtful dialogue that seeks to improve humanity and equal rights for all. We critique the status quo. We challenge rigid doctrines, heteronormativity, the patriarchy, bigotry, prejudice, racialized and radicalized ideologies, and we offer solutions to create a more loving and accepting world. Well, today is kind of maybe going to feel like a rant. It just, I suppose, depends on the emotional tone that I bring to the episode. It's based on some observations that have been building up in me over time. And I'm finally going to express, and it, it it concerns in part a lot of what I see on social media, but it concerns a lot more uh, of what I've been seeing on Medium, uh, the platform primarily for writers, and Medium is generally very progressive and uh, a great place for people who want to see themselves as writers, want to build up their portfolio as good writers, and also a place where you can have magazines that are part of the overall platform in the case, uh, like what I have. And what I read at the beginning was verbatim the mission statement for Think Queerly as it appears on my publication on Medium, which is thinkqueerly.com. So I want to talk about assimilation versus liberation. And that is definitely um, a term I think I mentioned in the last podcast uh, when I was talking with uh, Jeffrey uh, Yovanone about uh, Pete Buttigieg. And going back to gay and lesbian liberation or gay liberation, I was, would have been called in the 60s and the 70s. And it was definitely far more radical. It was much more about liberation and freedom for all and freedom of sexual expression and and being accepted for your uniqueness and your difference. Assimilation is what has really happened in the last 15 or more years with marriage equality. And I don't, I don't deny people the right or the desire or the want to be married. But I certainly have issues with marriage as an institution, as something that is managed by both religions and the state, as the rights and privileges that marriage gives to people just because, you know, I don't have those rights. I don't have those privileges because my partner and I choose not to be married because we don't think it's appropriate for us. But what I've also been seeing a lot on Medium with a lot of younger LGBTQ writers and Often this happens with age, right? It's it, it would be very easy for me to say, back in the day, and that's not what I want this to be about. These are my observations. Also a lot to do with social media. People do not want to go deep. They do not want to go broad. They only want to touch on the surface. And there's this cult of personality and this cult of celebrity that is damaging deeper intellectual and creative thinking. And we have been so assimilated and our LGBTQ heroes that are marching to the drum of some corporate branding saying, oh, well, this is so fantastic for us because it allows us to be who we are. Fuck no. That's just them being paid and you can't trust what they're saying, however authentic they feel or sound or appear to be. 
And I'm not saying that those individuals are lying either. What I am saying is that when you are bought, you are bought. And you will be having to promote as an internet or Instagram or Twitter superstar whoever is paying you. Just like we see how government is controlled by corporations. Who spends the most money on the most on, on a particular senator or a particular representative or a particular candidate here in Canada to get what they want when that government comes to power or for that government in power to actually turn around and then pass a particular bill or legislation that is in the favor of that corporation? So we need to really think a lot more deeply. And how th- this really hit home... <clears throat> To me, because a particular writer submitted something to Think Queerly. Um, I challenged their thinking. I thought I was doing it in a good way. Uh, They came back with a response. I challenged them a little bit more, and then they subsequently removed their articles from the publication as well as the submission. Now, this is not to be an attack on that person. You know, if this person is listening, I... My endeavor was to make clear the editorial standards of Think Queerly. And I'm not going to go into the piece per se, uh, because that's not what this is about. It's the overarching observation that I've had, is that this particular piece for me, and for what I have created Think Queerly to be, was assimilationist. It was seeking to normalize and I will just say that that was the word that was used, um, the queer experience. And normalizing the queer experience would, I think, be a contradiction when we go into what queer theory is and what meaning, what queer means. Queer is not normal. Normal is status quo. And we don't have to, at this moment, put a weighting, an emotional weighting, or right or wrong weighting on what normal or what queer is. But queer is different, odd, outside of the norm. Queer is the freedom to be something different than what the status quo is. So to seek to normalize queer individuals is is an a priori contradiction. And I created Think Queerly to challenge the status quo, to elevate visibility. I do not want to be normalized as a queer person. I want to be recognized and accepted for my difference as a humanizing quality. So Think Queerly does not stand for assimilation. It supports liberation. I'll mention something else that I wrote in my submission guidelines for Think Queerly. That I seek to publish, and on the podcast I seek to speak about, Ideas that dissect and provide solutions to the various challenges we face as LGBTQ people. So, dissection and solutions requires critical thought. It may require owning an experience, writing in the first person, or it may be a more analytical, academic kind of piece where you're bringing in different types of research to um, make a point and try and substantiate your argument. So I give priority to critical thought, self-reflection in the form of personal narrative, people submitting to think queerly, how I write and how I speak and how I tell my stories, and analysis, analysis of current social justice and political issues. I'm not interested in trite, contrite, 
you know, purely journalistic reportage. There's enough of that out there, and it has its purpose and it has its value. But queer requires us to think differently, to think critically. Now, in an article published by uh, Jeffrey Yovanone, um, I th- it was a follow-up to, uh, and I wish I had pulled the exact title up here, but it was why he still doesn't uh, want uh, Pete Buttigieg in the United States to uh, to be a candidate. Um, and I'm butchering the title, I apologize, but I will put the link for it in the show notes. So I want to quote what he wrote, and then he was also quoting Judith Butler. I'm quoting this because he so succinctly made clear what what really is so important and valuable about criticism. And I think this is the thing that a lot of maybe, maybe my opinion, my observation, that maybe a lot of younger people are afraid of. They think criticism is bitchy or angry or argumentative. It could become that, right, if somebody loses their temper. And somebody doesn't want to think critically because you can have a heated debate, but still stay on topic and still respect the person or the people with whom you are speaking. So I'm going to read the quote now. Whereas bitchiness comes from a place of insecurity, critique derives from a desire to better humanity. As feminist philosopher Judith Butler explains, quote, I bring certain critical perspectives to what I study and speak about. Critical does not mean destructive, but only willing to examine what we sometimes presuppose in our way of thinking, and that gets in the way of making a more livable world. End quote. Now, I want to follow that with what is my current working definition of queer leadership. If you've been following along the podcast, you know I've been saying queer leadership for quite some time. I've probably done at least 10 or more podcasts and published on Medium giving something reference to queer leadership or the way of queer leadership that I've been developing. So here's how I currently define queer leadership. Queer leadership is not about organizing people. Instead, it's the principle of individuals leading from their difference, their creative uniqueness, not to assimilate into the dominant culture, but to liberate and elevate those oppressed by the dominant status quo. That really resonates with me on a powerful level, because that's about liberation. And that doesn't have anything to do with sexuality. Yes, of course, most likely most people identifying as queer may also include the other acronyms like LGBT and so on, with whom they feel they have an affinity. But what about someone who considers themselves heterosexual but doesn't fit in and aligns more with the politics? of LGBTQ people, should they be excluded? If they're working to break down the hegemonic patriarchy and make the world a better place and create inclusion for all and freedom for all? So, I suppose that's really the rant. 
we need to own what we say. The other challenge I've seen in social media and in other posts is people think speaking in the third person. And when it comes to all things queer, I'm sure if I look back at things that I have written and even said, I may sometimes use an all-inclusive. But in the context of the overall message I'm delivering, I will probably come back to I. I will maybe say something like, this is not everyone. This is not the entirety of the queer experience. But we can certainly create a container around things that are lesbian-identified or gay-identified or queer-identified as a way of trying to understand and impart and discuss and cross bridges. But as soon as we start to saying, all queer people want this, all gay people want this, no, that's not true. And I'm just as much to blame for this as anyone else. If I look back to my writing a year ago, two years ago, I see <laughs> it's almost fucking embarrassing to see some of the things that I've said or the ways in which I've said it. But underneath what I would say today for me or the challenges or, or mistakes in the way in which I messaged is still a core intention and desire to impart this uniqueness that makes us who we are. So when I say queer leadership, I am very much using that as an adjective to modify leadership. I'm not necessarily using queer to define individual identities. I'm using queer as a way to define a style of leading oneself. So I want to come to something I opened up with. I was also talking about celebrity culture. <clears throat> so I had a situation where I challenged uh, another writer on Think Queerly, and they published that post, and they kind of agreed with some of what I said. But it goes right back to the Miley Cyrus um, thing. I think she was on Instagram doing an Instagram Live, and it, she was just talking off the cuff something about like, you know, you don't have to be gay, this sort of thing. I don't remember all of it. I don't even want to reread all of it. You could probably search it and find it. Um, the question is whether or not it's really worth reading here. Okay, I'm going to read it here. I just pulled it up. Uh, so a, a text, um, what, what am I trying to say here? Because the, she wasn't writing. Somebody uh, wrote down what she said apparently verbatim, quoting, there are good men out there, guys, don't give up. You don't have to be gay. There are good people with dicks out there. You just got to find them. You got to find a dick that's not a dick. You know what I mean? I always thought I had to be gay because I just thought all guys were evil, but it's not true. There are good people out there that just happen to have dicks. Okay. You notice the tone I read that with, and I read that purposely with that tone because <clears throat> I think we really need to be careful in this age of social media and this, I think it's an absolutely unnecessary and, 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 and 
horrible addiction to this celebrity gossip culture and uh, these reality type TV shows where we're watching the Kardashians, which are you know one of the greatest evil inventions of television. Who fucking cares? These people are not leaders. These people are keeping people from achieving anything. Yes, of course, that's not true for everyone. But generally speaking, so many people allocate power to these people in Hollywood and on television and that have celebrity status, thinking that they have something meaningful to say. Well, most of them don't. Most of them are just like you and me, but most of them don't really have, I want to say the intellectual capacity or the smarts, and I don't mean to say that they're stupid. I just mean that this is not their thing. This is not their game. Their game is to be an entertainer. Their game is not to be a game changer, a thought leader, or a queer leader. There are very few, and there are some that really stand up for LGBTQ rights, equality, inclusion. Maybe they are themselves, and they really do lead. They really take ownership. But I think we have to look at this whole problem on social media of like call-out culture. People went nuts over Miley Cyrus. And honestly, when I read it and I saw it, I thought, people just don't understand that she was probably just doing what she always does, which is to do an Instagram live because she's famous. She either did it on her own or her manager said, you got to go do your Instagram live because this is what gets you followers. This is what keeps you famous. This is what keeps people buying your products. And then what am I going to talk about? Oh, I don't know. I'm just going to talk about dicks and how, you know, I didn't like guys, but now I'm with a guy that I like. So this guy's not a dick, but he has a great dick. You know, there's no fucking significant critical thought in what she imparted. So for people to react so insanely about what she said, you can step back and say, she just wasn't really paying attention to what she said. And she clearly did not mean harm. And this is the problem with call-out culture. People take the smallest microaggressive um, ping and think that it's the end of the world. And then they blow it up because they want to become a celebrity on Twitter or Instagram, just like the person they're following, because they think they can shout the loudest. <sighs> you know, and, and I'll play with this language here, because... As I said, most of these famous individuals that are so blindly followed by the masses, we call them, or we call this situation, the cult of celebrity. We don't call this the leadership qualities of celebrity, right? It's just a cult. In a cult, one does what they're told, one follows blindly. One doesn't question. So if you're following celebrities and you're going to use them to make your deeper, more thoughtful choices, I certainly caution you to choose with great care who that or those few celebrities are. So... What a way to start the new year. I'm very strongly upholding my principles here that 
I'm not going to publish or pander to ideas that just don't fit with what I want to talk about or what I want to share with the world, whether they're my own or whether they're someone else's thoughts and ideas. I don't want a lack of critical thought in my world. I'm a thinker, I'm a creator, I'm a reader, I'm a writer, I'm a messenger. And for me to continue to support not just my podcast, but the intellectual endeavor with my magazine on Medium Think Queerly, the standard is increasing. You don't have to be a great writer. I don't think I'm the best writer. That's not the point. But you do have to be a good thinker. You do have to be a critical thinker. And it doesn't mean you have to be right. But you have to be willing to step back and take a look and own what you're saying, go deep with what you're saying, and expose your truth in what you're saying. Because in this cult of individuality on social media, we're only ever getting the surface. To impart a message takes time. To impart a message requires trust. And I don't like calling myself a leader, but people follow leaders because they trust them, because they appreciate what they say, how they say it, and what they do. Which is also one of the reasons why you're never going to see the top seven reasons why blah, 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 queer people, blah, blah, blah. I don't do listicles. I'm so tired of seeing that kind of crap on Medium and elsewhere. People acting like they're oh so holier than thou. This is what creates a kind of division, a better than, a bigger than, oh, you can be famous if you just do this. Let's just back up from that and, and, and reassess for 2020 what's most important. Going forward, critical thinking is the most important thing we can do in this next coming decade, because that's what's going to help us tackle climate change. That's what's going to get Trump out of the White House. That's what's going to slowly dissolve populism. That's what's going to solve world hunger. That's what's going to make us happier, healthier human beings. That's it. I got nothing more to say. Keep thinking queerly. And I'll probably be talking to you a lot more often in 2020.